0: Hi, hello, how are you? It's Daryl, and welcome to episode 56 of Cage Rage and Nicolas Cage Podcast. The podcast in which I, your humble host and guide, Daryl Edge, take you, the listener, right there, yes you, on a journey to true Cage Nirvana. That is by going through all the films of Nicolas Cage, and hopefully, by the end of this, we'll be one step closer to understanding... The myth, the legend, the icon, the greatest actor of our generation, Mr. Nicholas Cage, A.K.A. the Golden Hog of Hollywood. Speaking of hogs, what a week this week has been in the Cageverse out there. We got the Pig trailer has finally dropped. The film Pig, a new one of the new films of Cages that will be dropping this year. This is a film that's been completed for a while now um, a few years I think, at least one and a half two years, we've finally got some teaser posters, we got the trailer there is a release date, the film is coming out next month in July and now whether that applies to outside of the US, the UK as well, remains to be seen uh, but the trailer looks really, really good it's giving me some Joe vibes, I think this is going to be one of those sleeper cage hits where we're going to look back on this in a few years and and wonder why yet again the big awards have snuffed Cage um, from the conversation, uh, and obviously the 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 trailer is pulling understandable, but I think a little too overhyped comparisons to John Wick because you know the John don't get me wrong, love the John Wick films, um, but with this you know I think now because the John Wick franchise is so ingrained in the popular the consciousness that. Um, any time something happens to an animal oh it's John Wick, it's John Wick now he's a truffle farmer whose pig goes missing they're saying it's John Wick with a, a, a pig um, Cage is having his John Wick film now I'm going to be honest I'm 99.9% certain this film is, in, is going to in no way shape or form be anything like John Wick, I think a lot of people are willfully misunderstanding the trailer, they're setting themselves up for disappointment. Um, you know, Cave just described this in a previous interview as a sort of a tone poem almost. One of the actors who stars in the film has even said that this is not like John Wick. So let's get that out of our minds, people. Let's just enjoy the film for what it is. This is going to be a far, I think, maybe a quieter film, a more meditative film. Um, a more emotionally resonating film than many of us are prepared for. Um, so just rewatch the trailer, get it into your business, and then we'll see what happens next month. Uh, but also, the trailer dropped on the same day that I got my first COVID jab, so if that isn't Cage-senpai looking out for your boy, one of the followers of the Golden Hog himself, then I don't know what else to tell you. Now that, outs- that out of the way, uh, we've got a lovely, lovely episode. Coming up today, uh, I'm covering Kickass with Mr. Jack Gregson. Um, a few weeks ago, I was able to guest over on Jack's podcast, the Truly Happily Madison podcast, where we talked all about Bucky Larson born to be a star. Jack is now joining me to talk about Kick-Ass. Some point down the line in the future, uh, his co-host Josh Pappenheim will be joining me to talk about Pay the Ghost. Uh, This was a really fun episode. Unfortunately, during the recording, it was marred by uh, technical issues. The Zoom call just kept cutting out. Um, Again, this is something I've touched on before with various quality issues. But, you know, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you'll know audio for a podcast. (laughs) Not my concern. Um, The the laptop kept cutting out. Uh, Fortunately, the editing of the episode has gone fairly smoother than I was anticipating. And also just a massive shout out to... Jack for being so patient and such a fucking good sport um, when we were recording this episode. But, you know, we'll get into it. We'll get the admin out of the way as well. If you want to follow me on social media, follow me on Twitter at Cage underscore podcast. We've just hit over 800 followers. Thank you very much if you are following over on Twitter. The journey to 1000, the big 1K continues. Uh, Instagram at cage pods. I think I mentioned this last week, but we have hit over a 100 followers on Instagram as well, and as ever, you can follow the podcast and listen to the podcast on all the usual streaming platforms, and those, of course, are Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Deezer, TunedIn, iHeartRadio, Acast, the host, of course, host provider, and if you're listening on a platform in which you can leave a rating, leave a review... Such as Apple Podcasts and PodChaser, especially. Please do, uh, because you know it'd be nice for the ego, a nice little ego boost, and it helps the podcast grow. Helps more people get some ears and eyes on the bloody thing as well. Um, and there is a coffee page, if you or a coffee page. I'm, I'm sure it's called coffee, but I keep saying kofi. It's definitely coffee, isn't it? Um, there is a coffee page if you want to kick something back to the podcast. You don't have to. Don't feel inclined to, but if you do want to. It's kofi.com forward slash Daryl Edge. K-o-h-y-f-i dot forward slash D-a-r-r-y-l-e-d-g-e. So with all the admin out of the way, let's jump right into this episode, episode 56. It's Kick-Ass, Daryl, Jack, Gregson. Enjoy. Duh. 2010 comes storming right out of the gate as we move from Bad Lieutenant's crime drama to crime solver in Kick-Ass. This week Cage stars as Damon McCready, aka Big Daddy Kinky, who along with his daughter are waging vigilante war on a New York crime boss and become entwined with the titular Kick-Ass along the way. Now joining me this week on the journey to true Cage Nirvana to see if Kick-Ass is ass-kicking, ha ha or just throwing its punches, is co-host of the Truly Happy Madison podcast, Jack Gregson. Jack, how are you today? I'm very good, thank you. I'm very
1: happy to be here.
0: <laughs> well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, obviously, today we're going to be talking all kick-ass and all good stuff related. Um, but at the start of all these episodes, always interested to know with uh, the guests... Uh, your opinions on Nicolas Cage, as I say all the time. He's that guy, that enigma. We can't put a finger on him. There's no way to scientifically classify this mystery of a man. Um,
1: But for you, what what are your opinions? What are your takes on uh, Mr. Cage? I love him. (laughs) Honestly, I do. (laughs) I really love Nicolas Cage. I always get annoyed when people say, oh, he's the worst. He's not Mm -hmm. the worst. He's... Anything you see with him, from the best film to the worst film, he is always going to be the most compelling thing on screen. Which couldn't be more true for the film we're talking about today. But he is—he's got a wild magnetism to him, and he—he he makes choices which a lot of actors who are very well received do not. <laughs> um, <laughs> everything he does, yeah, there's just as a. There's just something about him. Love him.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly it. And I think the key word there is choices. Um, <laughs> y- you know, you can say for better or for worse, but it's something I firmly believe is that it doesn't really matter with Nicolas Cage if it's a good choice or a bad choice, because let's be honest, he's not interested in realism. Um, he can do it. It's on the records. He's won awards. Um you know, you can argue. Well, he only gets nominated when he does realism. Shut your mouth, is what I say to that. <laughs> um, but I always think, you know, you see a cage performance. We'll say it's one of your classic cage performances, and then here is one of the most memorable, th- memorable things about the film, um, and that's what I, that's what I kind of love about it. Um, with with performance, I do you have any particular sort of favorite cage performances or favorite cage films?
1: I mean, I I watched. Um... I'd seen it before, but I couldn't remember any of it. But uh, Peggy Sue got married. I watched over um uh, <laughs> over yes. lockdown, and yes. that's that's such a performance. That whole choice to just talk like this sort of weird nasally voice he does the whole for <laughs> I mean, <laughs> to the point where I know he frustrated uh, Kathleen Turner to no end. Um, yeah, I yeah, I love that. Uh, I'm a Big fan of Vampire's Kiss, Moonstruck, um, later stuff like uh, just before this, obviously, Bad Lieutenant, I thought is remarkable. And I'm annoyed I haven't seen Mandy yet. Um, I know people Uh. absolutely love Mandy. And I like the the sort of 90s action stuff, the face off, the Con Air, the um, there's always something about it. The national treasure of it all, and then I've not seen stuff like Next, On Knowing, <laughs> or uh, Pay the Ghost. Which have you done Pay the Ghost yet?
0: Uh, as of this recording, no. Um, so I'm slowly but surely. Um, way well, I say this um, when I sort of go to guests and stuff, and I say, "Well, these are the films that we have available." Um, it's every film before and after that are slowly being whittled away and now someone's gonna have to take the
1: guff i think Um, uh, you should get in contact with my co-host josh pappenheim who i know has a scene pay the ghost at a a cinema (laughs) um and i think he would be great to talk about it because i'd love to make him sit through it again (laughs) and he was angry when he found out that i was coming on this and he wasn't invited so
0: (laughs) well you showed the initiative and slid into the DMs. so you know josh if you're listening sorry buddy you know someone (laughs) had to be the brains of the operation um but if it's uh you know a a two-pronged attack you know i get a guest for the podcast you get to know that your co-host is going through a traumatic experience what's not love there
1: I mean, that's, that's every week on our podcast. And it's like, I think our podcast has a sort of similar vibe to yours and that we're just trying to break down what is Adam Sandler on our podcast. And you're just uh, on the other side trying to break down what is Nick Cage. I'd say there are better Nick Cage movies than Adam Sandler movies, but there might be more, <laughs> more um, off-the-wall Nick Cage movies than there are Adam Sandler movies.
0: Wow, that's an actually... Potentially fascinating scientific point to delve into, like who's, you know, when we weigh it up on the scales when they're about to enter the pearly gates, you know, who's, who's getting the shaft on that one? makes um, I, mean, I know, um, I think from my compared to your limited Sandler experience, I know he just kind of makes million dollar movies with his friends as like the most expensive dick about.
1: We're on. We've just got into that period because we've just oh. done. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, which is uh, very much him just dicking about with his friends and making very homophobic jokes. More on (laughs) homophobia later.
0: (laughs) Oh, I mean, I think, I think in some ways maybe you could compare a Cajun and a Sandler um, to maybe there's a a perception of how a lot of people see them because I suppose. For me, like, I've not done the deep dive in the way that you have, and I suppose vice versa here. But I think Sadler, um, Sadler, Sandler, um, I think of the Resident Evil villain there. Um, You look at an Adam Sandler and you kind of think of the, like, kind of, and, you know, I think with that noise, I think you know exactly what I mean. Um, But then it's similar to a cage, you know, you get all of a sudden an Uncut Gems and you're like
1: me and sandler what the hell was that who do you think you are coming out with a banger (laughs) like that Uh, i i was just thinking why they haven't done a film together and then i just realized that both their energies (laughs) just hit so hard together that it would be this awful awful, like i feel like that it would create a black hole a literal black <laughs> hole not like a, a figurative <laughs> one within the film i feel like if these two presences were together and started shouting at each other it's the end of the world
0: <laughs> i think there are i suppose you can make the argument maybe there are some actors out there who um you know to throw a ghostbusters analogy and there's a one in there, some actors shouldn't cross streams um, I think maybe Cage and Sandler are two that sort of shouldn't do that. Um,
1: be first in line to watch it though.
0: Oh, I mean, I, I mean, I would break into my local cinema and operate the machinery myself to get it <laughs> running, um, to to see what absolute mayhem, um, that would that would absolutely endure there. Um, I mean, talking of mayhem, sort of kick-ass this week, what we're here to discuss. Uh, Now, kick-ass, is this one that you've uh, seen before?
1: Yeah, I I went to a test screening of this movie way back in 2009. So a little bit before it came out. And all that I remember being different about it is that it used a different score. Because it had um, it had actual like um, score from The Dark Knight and from sort uh, of John Williams Superman score in there as temp music.
0: Right. Uh, <laughs> what a different experience that would have been.
1: Oh, I know, right? I mean, sorry to take you behind the curtain and show you how the <laughs> sausage gets made, but <laughs> <laughs> um, here we are this this was it i i am one of the few people who got to see a raw version of kick ass i mean
0: and to, and if memory serves how did the uh the raw version compare to uh the factory pack sausage that we got a year later
1: so i i absolutely loved this movie when i first saw it way back when uh it would have been about nineteen back in two thousand nine so um, and I was very much a wannabe film student, working at a blockbuster. Uh, just, uh, I remember being like, yeah, it's like a Quentin Tarantino movie with superheroes. And uh, which, now that I say that, it sounds dreadful. <laughs> um, uh, but like, that was it. I, I just it was like, because at the time I was much more into superhero movies than I am now. Uh, I remember just thinking, like, oh, it's such a unique way to tell this story. It's really cool, really interesting, just um, just so new and revolutionary. And uh, yeah, and I saw it again on opening night with my friend Robert Alp. Um, shout out to Rob. He's not listening. <laughs> um, uh, and I remember again just still loving it. Uh, went and bought the uh, Blu-ray Steelbook when it came out. Um, and yeah, I have different feelings on it now. It's, this is the first time I rewatched it in a while, but um, I'm, not sh- I'm not sure I'm, I'm still... It probably made my top 10 of the year list back then, and I'm not sure it still <laughs> would.
0: <laughs> maybe it doesn't hold up just quite the uh quite the same scrutiny um as it as it did then i mean i i don't know if i saw it in the cinema i definitely had it on dvd not the uh steel book uh as no, we were talking no about no one else would want us
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean in, interestingly you know we'll we'll touch on a bit uh a bit on this a little bit later but in 2010 um or it could have been 2011, at the IGN Awards, which are a thing, it did win Best Blu-ray. So, um, someone was celebrating it.
1: I mean, it's great. It's got, it's got a bunch of bonus features. I mean, which of think is that, is that the bare minimum? I mean, I watched it on this Blu-ray yesterday. The picture quality was good. Sounds good. <laughs> I'm sure blu-ray.com have a better review for it than that. You can go check them out.
0: (laughs) And I'm sure there was a disc in the case as well.
1: Not only was there there's there's a few discs. There's three discs. There's a single Blu-ray and then a double DVD in case I wanted to watch it in a place that only had a DVD player instead of a uh, Blu-ray player. What? what What hellscape would that be, I ask? (laughs) <laughs> not not one I wanna live
0: in. Um because snob. Um <laughs> but I, I remember have I, I don't remember seeing it in the cinema. I might have, but I remember when I watched it um I I, I think I was maybe very similar to you. I think we may have been like a similar age. I would have been around twenty ten uh seventeen mm. or so when it came out. Uh, and I remember just being so like enamored with this film and just loving it because it was so like different and just so like hardcore and um, just so like unlike all the other superhero films because it was this came out I think maybe just before Iron Man two came out I mean we'd had Iron Man yeah and it would Incredible have been Hulk.
1: Iron Man two would have been that summer so this was uh early in the year release if I remember correctly um and yeah so we, we it was before like yeah the mcu had kicked off and um we hadn't got like that world of like shared universes the word shared universe didn't exist back then
0: <laughs> um mcu was just a glint in its mother's eye uh all
1: we point. had was that like little shot of like little po- two post-credit scenes on hulk and uh iron man yeah, but what we what you really cared about at that time, I was I was big on the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies, and that was sort of like the touchstone for it, oh, and the Chris Nolan Batman movies.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose this is this is sort of coming off the back, and I guess maybe in some ways was a um, a response to, especially the Batman films as well, which were so. Colossally big and uh, just changed the landscape of a lot of just cinema and like, uh, especially superhero films at the time, um, which were all to be celebrated. I think looking back now, in you know, in some ways, it was like maybe lampooning some elements of superhero films while they were before. It was a lot of people started getting tired with them. Maybe like it was a bit early to it in some in some cases because um, I was kind of thinking about this before the recording, um, and again, obviously, this is something that we'll get into, but with a lot of the uh content in Kick Ass, especially, you know, would it be made today? Would it be the same film in sort of a 2021 landscape? Um, would it be, um, and again, something that didn't exist really back then when it came out, would it be a victim of, um, Cancel culture would it be in the the scopes of that as well, I wonder? We're not saying that that exists now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying to cancel it now. I'm not saying to cancel the film. I'm just saying this is the climate that we live in. Don't cancel me. Don't cancel Jack. Don't cancel the film. Don't cancel Nicolas Cage, because then I won't have a podcast. Um, I, I know there's a lot of things that... Uh, Well, there's a line in particular um, that some people didn't sit too well with, which is uh, maybe one of the greatest lines in cinema that Hit Girl had.
1: (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, I don't think any of the Hit Girl stuff is the offensive stuff to me when I watch it now. The thing that really irks me is the whole plot line with Dave and pretending to be gay yeah it just it a adds nothing to the movie it isn't funny it isn't interesting it's an odd obstacle for him to overcome also again as someone who's just recently watched i now pronounce you chuck and larry (laughs) i just (laughs) i'm very much not in the mood for these types of jokes and they're barely even jokes in this it is just the idea of him pretending to be gay is i think supposed to be funny and yeah, I, I, that's the thing that I would I would be like if this is getting made today, cut that out straight away.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean there are a lot of things about this which are and in some content and humor as well as we're saying here, very dated. Um, mm. Yeah, I think you know maybe once upon a time when it was deemed. Um, and I guess for lack of a better term, here you know, it was just a joke that films could TV could use to be like huh, being gay, that's funny, right? Yeah. Um, and then we watch it now, I'm like, let's let's pull it back on that, one.
1: that. That's like, I completely blocked that joke out of my memory, mm. like, um, just going back and watching it now. And when it happened, I was like, like oh, yeah, this is a thing. <laughs> i remembered so much about this movie and that's the thing that i really just disregarded
0: yeah it's
1: i, I you know that's
0: conveniently really something i'd blocked out as well i'd forgotten that whole c plot nonsense it's like you know um dave is crushing on ke and then mm. just because a rumor goes around then she wants a gay best friend um and then he just rolls with it to get closer to her and put like...
1: Uh, Feels very creepy.
0: A lot of it didn't kind of sit while well watching it the other night. I was like, well, he's just there in his Y fronts with his rubber gloves on, just putting like the sun tan, like uh bronzing kit on. Yeah. Um, and then later in the film, it fully clad as kick-ass just creeps into the room. and He's like, uh, oh, by the way, not gay. And then she's like, yeah, that's fine. And then they just do it on the bed um these are yeah
1: these this that whole sort of romance plot is some of my least favorite things in the movie i don't think it's i don't think actually this is the big problem with the movie in itself is i just don't think dave has a character dave is a very dull character which might be a point especially at the beginning when it's like anyone can be a hero even this guy who you can just project yourself onto. yeah yeah but she's got no personality other than she might like to read comic books and help out people in need. And he has nothing other than he likes to read comic books and help out people (laughs) in need.
0: It's, it's such a weird um, choice. I mean, like you said, I think you can maybe make the defense for his character. Like you said, he says at the start, it's like, there's nothing really about me. I'm just a normal guy, you know. I don't have these heroes. I wasn't bitten by a spider. Um, no, I'm just a normal guy. Nothing special about me, um, you know. As you were. This is my life. But with Katie, it's kind of like all she, all the film gives her. I should say is that um, she's the attractive female lead. She's the love interest. She's there just kind of to serve the purpose of part as part of dave's journey of zero to hero and getting the girl she's there as a plot point for him to um go and fight some thugs and then subsequently meet big daddy and hit girl um and other than that she doesn't really serve a purpose unfortunately um Uh, she she's
1: victim of that she's victim of that awful idea that like wait a minute girls like comic books as well my god <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah who knew it, it, it is a lot of that too and i like i don't know if that was supposed to make her more relatable to who they thought the intended audience of this might be or just make her seem more attainable for dave that's you know all oh, similar interests boy meets girl wink wink nudge nudge to camera But just outside of that, there's just nothing to her. There's no agency. Um, She's just there so that she can sort of nudge Dave into the uh, into the places that he needs to be. Um,
1: I I, like. I I read the comic book this was based on back in back in the day. Did not read reread it for this. I apologize. (laughs) <laughs> but um uh, they're all back at my parents' house. I probably have like all of them. but um, from what I remember, it's the exact same thing in the comic book. It's just this very thinly written female character who is just there kind of as not as a prize she's not really a prize, but she is just something... she's an accessory.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of the most unfortunate and yet fairest way to sum up. Yeah, what her character does. Um, she, you know, she is a, an accessory. And I'm trying to think of any fairer way to term it, but there really isn't.
1: No, and I um, mean this. You know, this is a problem with Hollywood in general. It's a problem with a lot of superhero films in general. I, I was thinking about Doctor Strange the other day, and then my mind was blown that Rachel McAdams was in it. <laughs> I was like, I've seen that movie. She does. She, she's not really there in that movie. Uh, and it was even, you know, at the time as well, like, your probably biggest sort of female input on these superhero movies was stuff like changing out uh, Katie Holmes for Maggie Gyllenhaal in the uh, the Dark Knight movies, or... I don't think lots of people like and Dunst in the Spider-Man movies. And then yeah. you've got Catwoman, which uh, is its own
0: <laughs> kettle of fish. Um, Catwoman is Catwoman, and the less said about Catwoman, the better.
1: Um, we should always be talking about the basketball sequence from Catwoman, because it is incredible.
0: <laughs> Shout out to the basketball sequence only. Only. From, <laughs>
1: from Catwoman um but i I just actually just one more point on the on the women in this movie um you have a cameo from elizabeth mcgovern in this movie who went on to be um big in downton abbey but also had a career before this and she plays dave's mum whose her entire role is just dropping dead into a bowl of cereal (laughs) (laughs) just why get an actress of this quality (laughs) to play an extra essentially because it's it's not it's not like she pops up on screen and everyone will be like that's elizabeth mcgovern yeah (laughs) it is more that just it's just a it's just a waste of time
0: (laughs) i mean that's a real
1: uh,
0: relevant point because i didn't even realize that was elizabeth mcgovern it's such (laughs) <laughs> from, from from what I mean, for one thing, she sat like at a side, so you see the side of her head, not even a full the full face just go down into the cereal, but it's such like a blink and you'll miss it moment, which largely doesn't really mean anything it's kind of just a fall away gag that his mother died tragically suddenly it's just a throw away gag, yeah. and then they sort of move on with it um which is kind of uh, a lot of what this is like. Ah, oh, my mom died, and now I wear a scuba suit. And then, and then something from the the soundtrack, The Prodigy plays, and then we just move on. To, we move on to the next scene. Um, but it's you know, it's you know, with the I guess kind of exception of um, Chloe Grace Moretz, who obviously plays yes, hit girl in this. That's kind of the only real. Empowered female that we see on the screen, and this is coming in the, the guise of a twelve-year-old girl who's uh, swearing and throwing knives and uh, shooting guns and just being a badass. And I suppose going on to um uh, onto her character. Um, I mean, it's it's a it's a great vehicle for Chloe Grace Moretz, and she's she's sort of fantastic in it. Yeah, took the words right in my mouth. Like a fantastic role. <laughs> um, And something I touched on earlier, I think when we were talking off record, a number of awards that sort of came up on the um, film circuit for this one, uh, most of them, or a large percentage, were nominations and or wins for her for various best breakthroughs, breakouts, supporting actress roles. Um, So she was really, if not before, really put on the map after this one. um, I suppose, what did you sort of make of her performance in this as well?
1: I think she's a revelation in this film. And, like, this is a 10, 10, 11-year-old film now, and she's been just constantly charming on screen. since. not always in the best movies, but always someone to watch. And, yeah, you can just see it all here. She's playing a role that I think many people her age wouldn't be able to play, yeah it it does she's the one who deals with the most sort of emotion in this film um it's the sort of conflict of who she is and from memory she gets more into that more in the second movie we won't talk about that because it's a cage-free zone um (laughs) but you know she, she she this whole film would be a lot better if it was just the story of big daddy and uh, hit girl with maybe kickass as a side character yeah. um, because i just they they the, they're the ones you want to watch there's not enough of them in the movie for my liking i i want them there all the time
0: yeah i mean they they're such like a great duo for this mm. um, i think equally um between Hit Girl and Big Daddy, they're easily the most fun parts of the film to watch. And, you know, I think me being a Cage Podcast host, I have to put it out there, you know, my Cage bias aside, that he's the greatest actor of our generation. <laughs> um, he He's so much fun to watch. They have such a great chemistry together. Um, and I think going into this because... I think Cage had said he I think he was a bit uncomfortable with some of the things that sort of Moretz would have to do. Um he sort of said it was uncomfortable for him as an actor, but um he says because women go to see this movie and they're really wild by it, they'll love her Moretz's character and how powerful she is. It's Iron Woman, hear me roar. So I think he, you know, he got yeah. on board with it. Nothing but compliments about um Moretz also said I knew about her right away that she was a marvellously charismatic uh, person and had her own unique sense of humour I knew she had star presence um, I think you know, can't disagree with that as we've been saying it's abundant in the film um, and that one of the things I touched on earlier obviously um, her line when she um, appears in the drug den scene and starts just like beating down all like, the goons and the drug druggies and uh, C word coming up uh, But to quote okay you cunts let's see what you can do now Um, it's 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 so it's so fun. I mean, even now, I think it's still that whole like that's a a child saying the c word. Um, but it's really such a great line.
1: Um, that's interesting. And the the swearing stuff from her didn't hit me so much now. Maybe because I've seen the movie, or maybe because it's just. I don't know. I grew up watching South Park. Not of those are actual kids swearing, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it just, um, it just, it just seems sort of second nature to me. It didn't really blow my mind, but I'd say the action stuff she does is the stuff that I think is really cool <laughs> in the movie. Like yeah. the absolute carnage that she creates and the sort of calm <laughs> demeanor she has throughout it all. Like that last sort of hallway Fight scene with her. That, that last act of the film where it's um, Dave and Mindy going to storm uh, the, the barricades really, like I really enjoy that <laughs> just because it's really nicely choreographed. You can feel the sort of tension because it is just these two sort of kids up against the mob um, yeah. and, and like the gadgetry they use is really fun. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, obviously she's using uh, like uh, well, whenever she's got access to like the guns that she brings mm-hmm. with her, sort of the kitchen knives. Dave rocks up in a jetpack with mini guns. It's uh, when such he shows a...
1: up with that jetpack. <laughs> I do, I do really feel that moment. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: even now it's such um, an over the top and grandiose ending, but I think a film like that was just building up to it and obviously it's soundtrack to (laughs) to elvis presley as he arrives (laughs) as well um which there were some of these things i was having sort of like um sort of shazam app and like is that is that elvis presley because i I think i just forgot what i am i guess what a soundtrack film this is yeah as well um because you obviously got elvis presley you've got um one of the songs for "A Few Dollars More" by uh, Ennio Marconi. Um You got the banana splits in there. No, <laughs> the, uh, banana splits are in there. Uh, primal scream, the prodigy, uh, the pretty reckless. Um, like I said, it's it's such a, a a big soundtrack movie, which I think I'd forgotten about as well. Just how many things I had are just punctuated. us on CD. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, just looking at the listing, um, it's a, a, a decent soundtrack, to be <laughs> to be fair. I mean, any soundtrack that starts with The Prodigy, ends with Elvis Presley, that's in a range of emotions. <laughs> that's a
1: lot of feelings. What I love about that Elvis track is it's clearly a live track because as Dave is going along on his uh, jetpack, it sort of crescendos with... Elvis ending the song and the applause coming in, which just, it's a really nice moment. You feel very excited when something like that happens. Um, But yeah, no, I I enjoyed that. I
0: I forgot all about the live applause as well. Um, (laughs) But thinking back, it just makes it even more of a uh, a chef's kiss moment for that film. Um, Like such a, like, I think maybe might have gone underappreciated and just part of the course at the time, but maybe with more sentimental nostalgic eyes, it's it's great. One of the other things I sort of forgot about the soundtrack that um uh Knowles Barclay song I think Crazy is in yes. there. When and I was I was watching Kick Ass with my partner last night at the time of recording, and I was like, Oh I remember this song, it used to be everywhere. And I was like, what happened to Knowles Barclay? And she just turned to me and went, that's CeeLo Green. Mm. I was like, oh my God, yes. I was like, how
1: how did I forget? That's what happened to that.
0: I was like, well, that's what happened to that. He became CeeLo Green.
1: I mean, also, famously, CeeLo Green, part of the Adam Sandlerverse, as a voice in Hotel Transylvania 1, replaced for the next two (laughs) movies. (laughs) Um, For obvious reasons. Replaced by Keegan-Michael Key for the next two. For the... uh... For the better, I yes, uh, so <laughs> quite likely there. Um,
0: but, um, obviously, we've sort of uh, touched on him here. Obviously, looking at Nicolas Cage as um Big Daddy, uh, looking into this, it looks like before he took the role, um, Daniel Craig and Mark Wahlberg both were considered for Big Daddy. Uh, Brad Pitt was also close to taking it, but instead turn it down to work on uh quentin tarantino's inglorious bastards 2009 was also a producer
1: as well um daniel craig's an interesting one isn't he i think that would have been quite fun um especially after we've seen him in stuff like knives out
0: yeah yeah i i, I think certainly at the time we would have um i think he was bond at the yeah. time um so it would have been such a, an interesting juxtaposition of characters um, though I, I sort of think you know, Mark Wahlberg, I can maybe see that. Brad Pitt, though, I think that would have been just for the sake of getting a name attached to the film. I think it's a,
1: Wahlberg's the one I I can't see it being very good with, just because I just think with Mark Wahlberg in a film like this, you just, you just get Mark Wahlberg. I'm just get, I'm a I'm a superhero. That's how I do it. You know, like just <laughs> this sort of like, it would yeah. it would just be. Him playing sort of action hero lead, I feel Brad Pitt would have some fun with it at least. Um, do some, yeah, little silly stuff, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm very happy that Cage is who we got.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, again, all bias aside, I think he was uh fantastic in the role, I think he he served that, um the purpose of being sort of, you know, the caring but protective father who's also, like, uh, out there for, for vigilante vengeance. And um, there was kind of, like, a subtle goofiness to him mm-hmm. when they're um, sort of joking about, um, well, hit Girl sort of joking with him about getting a puppy instead of a butterfly knife. And they're, um, there's obviously the caring as well. when the, pra- the first thing we see of them on screen is him shooting her in the chest to so she can be mentally and physically prepared for taking a round <laughs> to the chest which is it's such like a bold introduction to um i think any character um but he was i think a lot of fun um i was reading as well um obviously he's got the the, the mustache for his character he uh came up with a disguise that damon McCready... um by day would have the mustache, while Big Daddy would have the larger mustache that he puts on with the um, adhesive extensions.
1: Um, a good which moment. I was kind of. I was sort of watching that one. one of my favourite moments battle. in the film as well, actually. Just him preparing. Because <laughs> it reminds me of. Um the bit in the Royal Bounce, if you've seen it before, um, Luke Wilson uh, shaves his head and commits suicide, just to him looking in the mirror. <laughs> That's one of my favourite moments in that movie. I was watching this, I'm like, yeah! Yeah, he's getting ready to do some shit! <laughs> I mean,
0: in in a way, though, I kind of liked that scene where, you know, he's putting on the extra bit of the mm. um, skies, and, like, he's putting on, like, the eye paint... Which is you kind of think because there's an obvious allusion from Big Daddy to Batman, obviously from the costume mm-hmm. um, and to, to the I guess the general presentation. Uh, there's that the obvious parallels where um, parallels there, but obviously it's something you don't think about in Batman because Batman turns up, but then you watch this and think, um, well, obviously Batman puts some kind of eye paint on. Obviously, you know, we're not gonna see, we're never gonna see bruce wayne in like a bathroom mirror just apl- like applying it with a brush or something like that but
1: i mean i don't know if you remember the bit in uh batman returns where he takes the cowl off and um there's like one shot with him with the makeup around his eyes and then it disappears in the next shot
0: yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. yes i do i do remember that I think it's, it's either that it's, it's
1: either he's got the makeup around his eyes, or he doesn't have it on under the cow, so his eyes look really weird in one shot. I think that's <laughs> it actually.
0: <laughs> oh man, he, I think I think it would be weirder though if like a if a masked um, individual turned up and had no eye paint on. that were just mm-hmm. just the mask. I was like, this is unsettling. I mean, you you haven't done the work. Well, done it's actually few, it?
1: something just, I know we're just in the middle of the cage, but I just want to talk about. I quite like how janky all these costumes are, and um, uh, <laughs> like um, and I like that Dave's costume. He doesn't have anything around his eyes. He looks it looks weird. He's got the little mouth hole, um,
0: yeah. And then it's...
1: you've got a lot of scenes of like uh, Christopher Mintz-Plasse with just the mask off and the wig, the shit wig he's wearing, and the, <laughs> the uh, and the um.
0: That post-Myspace emo hair that he's got going on.
1: (laughs) Oh, not post-Myspace, my friend. This film is very of Myspace time. (laughs) No,
0: there's there's me just being old again. Um, The older side of millennial.
1: (laughs) This film is all about Myspace.
0: (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I'm I'm saying this now, but looking back through my notes, and one of them was Myspace. A simpler time. I was Um, just shocked
1: that Myspace (laughs) was still a thing in 2010. Like, I mean, it's mean, been on its uh, way out.
0: Quite, I, th- I think this would have been when Facebook was just coming in, not as big as it was. I think Twitter I would have was had around. a
1: Facebook account by the time because I got my F- Facebook account when I was seventeen, so that would have been about two thousand seven. So it, it would just, just um, it'd be on its upswing because yeah, yeah. the social network comes out in twenty ten as well. So. Um,
0: Yeah, to be fair, good shout, good shout. So I remember for me, I was in sixth form, I did media studies, and part of the curriculum lesson thing was we had to do, I forget why, but for some reason we had to make Facebook pages. I think it was like promotion or something, I'm using air quotes, but I still have that Facebook page to this day. Um, I think it's similar for Twitter because I had a notification saying I'd had Twitter for 12 years. I was like wow i remember when this this wasn't toxic and people and people were
1: just nice i remember i used to just use it as a platform to chat with edgar wright and now he's blocked me so <laughs> you know if anyone knows yeah. Edgar Wright, tell time to unblock me please still don't know why he did
0: <laughs> I, I think my earliest celebrity interaction on there i tweeted and i don't know why i think because film uh, with this person, with Jonathan Ross was still on at the time, his mm-hmm. film review show and I think I tweeted him and asked him what he thought of Gran Torino I think I just watched it, like I don't know why I thought it was an idea just to ask such a bland question, but he replied loved it um, <laughs> so, back in the days when he could get a response yeah. and he weren't just like calling people out He randomly um, follows me
1: I'm not sure why <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe he's a secret Sandler fan, you never know He might be <laughs> Um, But but with the other outdated references now, obviously there's MySpace in there, Uh, you get the flip phones. There is a line that Dave gives, I think when, I can't remember when he gives it, if he's in the hospital or if he's afterwards. He's like, or he's talking about not being a superhero for the second time. He's like, I have all these questions, like what would happen on Lost? Which, at the time, (laughs) was a massive question to ask. Um, Um, And he... Did make me want to watch Lost again, if, no, if nothing all, else.
1: All available on Disney Star. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> Hashtag not on an ad. Um, <laughs>
1: and the other outdated thing was that the only um, uh, talk show host they could get was Craig Ferguson, who... Um, yes, I could not
0: think of his name. I could not think of his name.
1: I was trying to think, like, was it, how long was he on the air after, after this? Um, just because it felt like an odd one. I mean he I guess he was a big guy. Like um what's his face? Uh oh he left in twenty fourteen. So that's and James Corden took over. So I guess it's a big show. But just <laughs> of all the people to get just uh Craig Ferguson is not <laughs> one of the people who like stands out in my mind as uh one of the talk show hosts. But
0: Yeah, I think you would have thought you you classic uh you you Conan O'Brien's you you Jimmy Kimmel's Jay leno Um leno um, And the other one whose name I always forget. He does impressions, but he always laughs too hard at everything someone says.
1: Well, that's me. <laughs> um.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. It's I'm calling you out here and now. Wait, I um, haven't
1: done my Cage impression yet. I'm going to get to it.
0: <laughs> I mean, you've put it out there now. Um, I mean, it's sort of circling you know, back around to the Cage. And we'll curtail that conversation with your impression. Um like I said, there's a lot of sort of, you know, great lines, some like just awkward dad humor as well. When they're watching the um uh the first news report with Hit Girl. Um he's watching with Hit Girl when Kickass as first and that's the other outdated thing. Uh Big Daddy and Hit Girl are watching the first news report that was filmed of Kickass defending that guy from those goons. Um when they i think this is the time before viral when he's he's gone i'm trying to think of the, the term they actually use for it instead of sort of gone viral um he's just like blew up on the internet i think they just say obviously they would say going viral and just filmed on a um uh lovely 240p flip phone when that was the height and like i think the iphone 3 i think like red mist uses as well and when like well, that was like the phone to have once upon a time, um, oh lord, how times change. Um, but it, the part I enjoyed because I think he's got a lot of sort of um, just like his name, dad joke humor to go with the big daddy when he's like uh, kick ass, more like he's gonna get his ass kicked. Him ass kick, ha <laughs> ha.
1: And I was like, I shouldn't have laughed at that, but I did, and it got me. Oh, again. it is good. And uh, Mindy's little response of so just. That doesn't make sense. It's it's also just very funny.
0: <laughs> I mean, they as we said before, there's just they just bounce each off, off each other so well. Um and obviously I think even though he had to die for um Mindy's developments and plots, <laughs> um it's it's a shame that he that he couldn't have been in the in the second one or Even a prequel, just like Big Daddy and Hitler, I think would have been a lot of fun as well. Um,
1: I think something that, like, you know, it shows how how good Cage is in this movie. The next one, you've got Jim Carrey in to sort of play the the Nick Cage role, not playing the same role, but he's filling that void. Yes. I love Jim Carrey. I could not tell you anything about what he does in. (laughs) that movie and i know i've seen that movie
0: <laughs> um i just remember he's got a dog and he wears camo that's about as much as i remember
1: this is uh like, yeah it's, i think if you, if you talk to me about the first kick ass before i watched it yesterday the things that would jump to mind are just like nicholas cage yelling take over child <laughs> like stuff like that I love h- how he calls her child in this movie all I want is Nicolas Cage to one day just call me child that
0: <laughs> would that'd be a tremendous honour I mean I've said it before like if Cage turned up at my front door and he was just like I need your bones I would just be like which one do you need sir uh, <laughs> to just take any bone that you that you need but that's such like um i think in a lot of films even when it's not um i think as i would call it a cage film like this is a film that he's in i think it's one that you can say like maybe the director was sort of on cocaine but he you know he was just you know doing his thing you know he wasn't on that same drug but that scene especially when um uh, him and kickass have been captured um, after the betrayal of red mist they're being tortured it's being live streamed um, sometimes in these films, you still get that um those cageisms you get that cage bursting through, and like I mean one of my biggest takeaways from that scene is that, one um somehow Nicholas Cage's screams are louder than bullets um which is infinitely impressive, but like you said, just the the way he screams like take a cha like <laughs> who <laughs> You know, no one told him to say it like that, and they're like, "Well, yeah, it's in the can now.
1: That's a wrap." Uh, uh, that stuck with me from like the first viewing of that film. Like, <laughs> like I'll never forget it. Great moment, great moment in cinema history. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I must imagine that Cage loved doing this film because I know he's wanted to play a superhero forever because mm-hmm. he came close to playing Superman for Tim Burton and that didn't happen. And then he does Ghost Rider, but come on, yeah, come on. <laughs> I, I... Even he's not having the best time there <laughs> outside like drinking the martini glass full of jelly beans. Like, um he, this is like the first time I feel like he is playing a classic version of a superhero, like in the full costume, being able to be sort of silly with a dream come true and he, and and you love it you love him for it
0: yeah i mean there are, there are definitely times with cage films when you just know he's having the best time um and like you said you know maybe in some ways you know this film was also um that's maybe obviously ghost rider aside maybe that itch to scratch that as we said so close to being superman Obviously, would voice Superman as a little nod a few years later and Teen Titans go to the movies. But, um, you know, maybe in Great some ways. Great performance again. Wonderful one. And I think maybe in some ways this was him
1: getting some superhero stuff out of his system as well. Um, I mean, he said it's like his performance is taking nods from Adam West's Batman. And yeah. And you can see it. And I love that because this the, watching this film yesterday. A lot of it, I was just like, this is a film about crazy people. <laughs> this, is a, this is a film about insane people. Like nobody normal would do any of this. No. And to play it, and it, like there is no better performance of an insane superhero than Adam West as Batman. <laughs> I, I, I love that performance in that show because he is just not normal. No. He is exactly the type of person who would dress up as a bat <laughs> go out and fight crime <laughs> 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 and so it's the same thing here like big Damon McCready as he is named is not a normal guy is <laughs> just um is just an insane man with an insane plan and he plays it as such and yeah it's perfect he's great in this I, I love him in this as much as I, I'm so happy that Chloe Grace Moretz gets all the plaudits that she deserves for this movie. Nicholas Cage needs some love as well because yeah, mm. the, those two just steal this movie. I mean, it's telling that we haven't even mentioned Christopher Mintz-Plasse in this. <laughs> movie. It's Just like what? What are you gonna say? Yeah. He's not playing McLovin, I guess. I mean, I
0: was I was gonna say you know you know it's McLovin kind of sort of being a dick but then going full dick in the sequel i mean this is kind of just like an origin story i think what does it kick ass to is it the motherfucker he becomes that's his full villain transition um so i mean a lot of groundwork sets up the second one in this one um he has a car um you know he, he, he has lighting in it cool um but it's I
1: hate his costume. I really hate his costume. Because <laughs> <laughs> again, I the thing I like about this movie is everyone's costumes look shit. And then his just, like but they do shit in a fun way. His just looks rubbish and garish and like yeah, which I guess is the point. Like he's the one with money. But it's just yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously Dave he just buys I like a scuba suit that he maybe modifies mm-hmm. a little bit off the internet. And maybe, obviously, he gives that list to his to his um, dad, Frank D'Amico, sort of the, the big crime boss. He's like, right, I can get close to this guy. I need this stuff. Um, obviously, we never outright see what's listed on there. Maybe he said, like, shit costume, because it would have served the purpose if we're going to try and, you know, force that circle into a square hole. I think
1: hole. he thinks that's costume's cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I suppose he says to his dad, like, the first... Um, I think when he's trying to defend Kickass. He's like, like Kickass didn't kill you guys. Like he's just like a loser in a costume. I was like, well, well so are you, but you've got <laughs> you don't see it because you're on team bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he, he's he's good in it. He's fine. It's kind of the the, the Christopher Mint plus performance you expect from him. Um, you know, you're not going into this expecting anything groundbreaking. You know, you don't get him screaming, "Take cover, child!" I mean. <laughs> Such a, a scene-stilly moment, which I I forgot going back to that. Like, I knew it was coming up because I remember that just being so outlandish, but there was a lot of stuff. Um, even watching it again, I couldn't understand what he was saying. Like I, I think one of them, he says, go to Robin's Revenge, or Robin's
1: Revenge,
0: which I think was him telling Hit Girl to use the strobe light. Um, which I, I think that was some a comic reference or something about Robin being sure a blind. S-
1: some nerd will tweet you about this, <laughs> some <laughs> dweeb. Um, <laughs> and
0: I, I am that dweeb, I can't say anything.
1: Um, I am, I'm cool,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know what I am. Um, as a man who owns a wrestling mask, I've got no grounds to uh talk about anything there's a man who
1: owns the kick-ass steelbook from, um.
0: <laughs> the ign <laughs> award-winning blu ray shall we say <laughs> um that that being a point as well on the on the subject of um awards which i've sort of touched on here and there um nick cage had some nominations when it does all the non-major awards rounds uh nominated for best superhero at the 2010 scream awards alongside some of his co-stars but they would all lose out to Robert Downey Jr. for Iron Man 2. Um, I am. Very
1: like the worst of the Ironmans as well. Um, I'm a big Iron Man fan, but I'm just like, yeah, he's done it. His best performance as Iron Man is in the first Iron Man movie. I'm sure they nominated him then.
0: I'm not surprised if they <laughs> did without doing the research, but very likely. Um, he also got a nod in the category of choice movie actor, action-adventure, as a mouthful, at the 2010 Teen Choice Awards, but would lose out to Channing Tatum for his role in G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. Fair, fair. Um, so, you know, hey, at least nominations were there, at least someone else was seeing, you know, what (laughs) what we were seeing as well, but, um... The teens knew. <laughs> the teens' fingers <laughs> were on the pulse on that one. <laughs> they uh, always are. <laughs> and it looks like there for Big Daddy, he had like a different story to what he had in the comics. Um, in the comics, he was an ex-accountant. He was just bored with his life and loved comic books, so he was motivated to fight crime, yeah. sort of stole his daughter to train her up to be um, a vigilante. But the writer, Mark Miller, said um, that same backstory wouldn't have worked in the movie and, quote, would have ruined the film um so from what i can see sort of matthew vaughn and mark miller were sort of making the film and the comics at the same time they're kind of doing yeah it i remember that. that as because well, I, I think like
1: the f- the film got commissioned like after the second issue of the comic came out so it was like an ongoing process between the two i feel like we should mention then on like the origin story of talking of things that are dated uh that animated sequence <laughs> of um of the comic book drawings sure. which I read uh, it like, took two years to finish yes yeah and I'm just like it it looks shit <laughs> <laughs> I work in tv promos I feel like we could knock something better up than that in like two days um I mean I, lo- I know it's 2010 like and it's a low budget movie but I really hate like the moments where it, like swirls around the character and they just got like these ungodly facial proportions
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's a shame as well because the artist is john remitter jr who is like mm. my favorite comic book artist as well and i was like
1: looks great in stills don't get me wrong. <laughs> like it looks fantastic as like a still image it just looks really bad when it's animated
0: yeah i mean i i obviously they wanted to have an obvious nod to it being a comic book somewhere and i and i get that and so i i understand why it was there um he's like oh comic book backstory we'll do it as a comic book um that's kind of like two years cool <laughs> um i
1: mean good on them like you know they got paid they had a job for two years it's good good job satisfaction <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of nods that this was a comic book, <laughs> considering that the comic book is actually released within the film, and uh, in in that very strange idea of this place where they hang out, this sort of coffee bar slash comic shop, mm. I was just like, that's an accident waiting to happen, someone's going to spill coffee on all the comics, You're not most comic book stores you go into, they discourage you from having food and drink. This is, ah, someone's not thought this business through. I mean, maybe it's part of the
0: nerd in me coming out, but it's kind of like it's an unspoken rule that you don't take a liquid to a comic book store. Um, You have your seal that up and you put it away, or you just have your drink outside. Let's have some fucking decorum, people. Um, not so, happy about it. <laughs> so just uh, still an anxiety just watching
1: <laughs> watching <laughs> that back, even now. Um, it's like when she says, like, um, we can meet up at this comic book store I know. They have the best mocha lattes. And I was like, that's not an appealing thing for a comic book store to have. <laughs> Also, why would a comic book store have the best mocha lattes what 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 coffee shop wouldn't have the best mocha lattes it makes no sense (laughs) it's another moment for katie doma to be a nothing character in this movie it's
0: like just just stop you already killed it please just move on um but you know i think i'm yet to see a a combination and hopefully i never will not in my lifetime um (laughs) <laughs> Not in my good Christian neighbourhood. God damn it! Um, They're playing
1: like live TV around the
0: clock as well. Coffees, <laughs> comics, live TV. Um, it's just an all-purpose place. It's just, it's, it's almost just Central Park in Friends. Um, if they just yeah. had like a, like, a magazine <laughs> rack in the corner or something, um, and they always seem to get that booth. They always get that table. Um, it's
1: got that little reserve sign there. That's what everyone on the internet likes to talk about.
0: We all read the BuzzFeed <laughs> article. Calm down. We've all seen it. Um, it's not an interesting fact anymore. Um, you know, an, an interesting fact, though. Look at that for a segue. Um, according to a statistic on the site Torrent Freak, kick was the second most torrented film of the year, downloaded illegally nearly 11.5 million times. Um Second only to Avatar with 16.5 million.
1: Um,
0: I think it's just bad when
1: you section. think Avatar made so much more money than Kick Ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Kick Ass
0: did really well, a budget of about 30 million, tripled that, made just shy of 100 million at the box office, about 96.2. Um, but this is one of those things when sort of um Avatar comes up, especially around this sort of era. It's like I when 3D was the cinematic event and everyone had to be a part of three D and you had to three D this and three D that and Avatar was just meant to be this revolutionary film. Even when it was the most hyped film in the world, like I watched it and I thought it was it's just blue people dry pumping <laughs> each other for two hours and fucking trees. This is smut disguised as progress in cinema it's useless i hated it um and i'm not all
1: right with it i don't love it i don't hate it it's just a film
0: That that's probably the best attitude to take but even now when they're still talking about like avatar 2 3 and 4 and i'm like it's been 11 12 years is anyone really excited for an avatar sequel honestly
1: to be honest, yeah. Oh, this, <laughs> this podcast just,
0: is over. We're done.
1: <laughs> I just want to see what they've done in this time now. If you're spending all that time, I'm like, yeah, James Cameron, he's been able to pull out a few interesting tricks in, in his time. Yeah, I'd like to see what he can do with this sort of 12-year gap of working on nothing else. Um, I mean, I'm not expecting it's gonna be amazing, but I'm I'm curious. Oh, it's. It, I mean, I'm more curious about that than the uh, announced kick-ass reboot. Th-
0: there's a reboot that's been announced.
1: Apparently, they had yes, yeah, in 2018, Vaughn announced his intentions to reboot the series.
0: Oh, did it? Did it? <laughs> oh, I don't. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I could. I can understand if you. You know, with all the characters they have by the end of the second one, that like, you could do spin-offs. I guess, sure, why not? But do we do we need a, a reboot of that?
1: I guess Chloe Grace Moretz is too old to do anything with Hit Girl that would be deemed interesting by the general public. <laughs> yeah, like, like I guess the main factor is like, oh look how young she was, and she's swearing. <laughs> um, <laughs> um i guess they probably just want to do a movie where they can get another young girl into do the all the hit girl stuff and i feel about it the same way i feel about um like that hellboy reboot that came out <laughs> like yeah like i didn't see that i i won't <laughs> um <laughs> i like what i have i'll stick with what i have
0: <laughs> well we'll leave the memories alone man we'll leave the memories alone
1: until nick cage is cast as hellboy I'm
0: uh a... oh, you've put that into the world now. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> He'd love it. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm a man who frequently lobbies for Nicholas Cage to have every role and also it's starring a shot for shot remake of the nutty professor where he plays every character. That's what I want. That's <laughs> the world I want to live in. Um but if you know if we'll ever get that or not. Um but, you know, a Kick-Ass Reboot, only if Cage is going to be there, and then I will be there as well. If Cage is playing
1: Kick-Ass, I'm in.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that...
1: I and he's think... still just a teenage boy <laughs> played <laughs> by Nicolas Cage. No de-aging effects, just yeah. Nicolas Cage, hanging out with, like, Clark Duke and stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> I
0: mean, let's just have in there, like, Steve Buscemi and the... Uh, in the high school, like how do you do, fell Crime Fighters, and <laughs> and then yes, I'm fucking in. Um, also, um, you know, to tail off on Cage and before we sort of start wrapping things up here, um, before we were recording, uh, you did mention a, a Cage anecdote. That's right as well.
1: So back in 2010, uh, I went to San Diego Comic Con. Um where Cage was present to talk about a uh, Death Race 3D. <laughs> Next step in 3D. And I was at a QA with Cage. And my anecdote is just I've never seen someone give a better answer to a question than Nicolas Cage. Uh, he was asked whether he preferred doing action or comedy. Right. And uh, you guys, huh. <laughs> it's a good question because, you know, there are things I really love about action, but there are also things I really love about comedy. So I guess I'd have to say I don't have an answer. Sorry.
0: <laughs> yes. I want, the, I, want, I want the microphone to pick up my claps.
1: Oh, I mean, was, <laughs> that's, that's my, that's the, yeah, I might build that anecdote up too much, but um, <laughs> I just, I, I've never been able to get that out of my head. This idea of this <laughs> like complete, very well thought out non-answer. I was gonna
0: say it's the most majestic evasion to a question I've ever heard. Like if half of our MPs in the UK had the same charisma, then I'd be like I'd be more lenient with them. Um and they could learn a lot from Nicola's Cage, as could we all. We all. Could. Yeah. Um you know, and that that's part of the journey to true Cage Nirvana for me, learning from the greatest and being a bit closer to God by by the end of it.
1: I do want to shout out one thing about this movie before we um, completely leave it alone. Please, um, just Mark Strong is having a lot of fun as well. Yes, as, as Frank D'Amico, um, better bad guy than a uh, uh, Christmas Plus. He's having fun with the American accent. I love how stereotypical all the mobsters are in this movie. <laughs> Everyone feels like uh, like a Simpsons gangster. Yeah, um, and it's all because it's like all like British character actors playing the gangsters. <laughs> <laughs> they're just clearly like doing over the top uh Italian American stereotypes, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, that that element of the film I really enjoyed.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously a shame on me for not bringing you up. Mark Strong, great. He's an actor who I I get confused with Stanley Tucci a lot um when i was watching this i was like is that is that stanley that i had to google it in the same way with like um clark duke like i thought that was paul dano and i was like oh no i was um, not maybe in the reboot who knows um but obviously touching on the goons there uh, you might have noticed in the credits as well five of the goons are named after the spice girls the sporty goon posh goon scary baby and ginger goon as well um I'm not too sure which one is which, but I like to uh, think because um, obviously a British film, a nod to some of Brin's greatest imports uh, or exports, I should say, in, uh, in the Spice Girls.
1: Um, speaking on the goons, one of my favourite shots in this movie is... Uh... That moment where Jason Fleming has the gun stuck in his mouth by Chloe Grace Moretz, and like he's just turning around with it, like really nice shot, really nicely composed shot. Not entirely sure how that moment works, like actually when he goes over to talk to her and she gets the gun in his mouth, but very happy to see such a ludicrous shot on the big screen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously the film—it's a lot has dated and aged not too well in some areas, but um a lot of the film I think there's still a lot of fun to be found. Um obviously as we've talked, Adnauseum here, Cage and um M- Mortez, um just great chemistry here. Some just yeah. great breakthrough role for um sorry, I said Mortez Moretz. Uh, great chemistry, such a breakthrough role. Uh really they are uh the show stealers, but when you put Nicolas Cage in a blockbuster, what did you expect? <laughs> um but uh yeah i think it's still still quite a fun film still still decent to watch um just a shame that the uh the sequel kind of floundered in many in many ways in comparison um
1: i kind of want to rewatch it now that i've watched this one again
0: yeah I, the temptation was there i mean i think this the first one got like 70 76 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I think the sequel was in the thirties. Um, I remember
1: liking the sequel when I saw it. Um, I remember nothing about it at the moment, though. So, I've just
0: just read that Jim Carrey withdrew his support of the film because of the violence right. um, in the wake of the Sandy Hook shooting. Um, so he just apologised and said he's um didn't stop supporting it but um and then it was uh 32% of Rotten Tomorrow's the sequel so it had Jim Carrey but not
1: necessarily for the better and it just well, unfortunately wasn't quite as good. It has a wild cast now that I'm looking at like Donald Faison, John Leguizamo, um uh, Daniel Kalua um Ian Glenn's in there as well. It's um... Andy Nyman. Like it's a again, it's a it's a British production all the way through. But um, Morris Chestnut. Wow. <laughs> like yeah. Um, I'll watch it. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Got yeah. nothing else going on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, not at the moment. Now it's fresh in the mind, <laughs> but um, but you know, like I say, it's been fresh in the mind. I think until the day I die. Take <laughs> up a child, will be burned into the audio receptions of my brain until I die. Uh,
1: rightfully uh, so.
0: And, and Rightfully so. Um but with that said and just looking at what it's um it's wrapping up here. I guess what are your sort of final thoughts on uh, 2010's kick ass?
1: Yeah, I think it's good. I don't think it's as it's quite the film I thought it was when I first saw it um i think at two hours it feels long um i think just the major problems lie with just that kick-ass isn't that interesting a character (laughs) and you spend a lot of time with him um yeah things updated but that's part of the course i still think this is is better than like a movie like deadpool um which does a similar thing but i think deadpool thinks it's being clever when it's not and (laughs) this one is a bit more interesting uh and like actually i think it's like very nicely made i mean matthew vaughan is a good director um i enjoyed uh kings the first kingsman when i saw it uh it's good it's it's very much saved by nick cage and chloe grace moretz but it's it's fine i Can't imagine if it came out now that it would have the same sort of impact that it does that it did. I feel like this movie coming out now would go like straight to streaming service.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I'd be inclined to agree. You know, I don't think it would have the same impact if it came out now. And you know, from a a twenty twenty perspective, twenty twenty one perspective, we have shows like The Boys that do this thing. Mm. But better, um, with all due respect to Kickass. Um, but yeah. But with that said, I think we come to the end of the episode. Uh, Jack Gregson, I thank you incredibly for um, for joining me on the journey to True Occasion of Honor this week. It's been a bloody for pleasure. Um, for the social
1: media users, uh, where can we find you? Uh, I'm across uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Ladderboxed at jfg in digital 3d because i made this account when uh 3d was a thing i made this account when we were all watching uh avatar <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah jfg in digital 3d the number three not the word
0: that would be far too much of a of a mouthful and um, still clinging on to Avatar God bless you on that <laughs> <laughs> on that hill um, but yes we come to the end of the episode uh, again thanks to Chat for joining me on this one, it's been a lot of fun hope you've enjoyed listening to it too we will see you in the next one but until then, keep on keep on caging, it's all you have to do take care and goodbye